Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1498 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're a first time user, you're going to have 100% is a deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And also at the top of the podcast, I should tell you to make us your first listen each and every day at the Lawton Hawks podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube, etc. And today's show is actually going to be a two parter with myself and Glenn Willis of ATL29 and Peachtree Hoops. Glenn and I have been talking about the entire Atlanta Hawks roster over the last several weeks and months. If you missed any of these podcasts, they should be available for you right now in this feed. Today is going to be on DeJounte Murray. In previous installments, we're talking about Clint Capella, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, uh, all the young guys as well, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, uh, Sadiq Bey, Adyeka Kongwu. The entire roster, other than Trey Young, has been discussed to this point in time. And then today will be DeJounte in two-part form. Obviously, it's a big week for the entire NBA, including the Hawks, as the draft arrives on Thursday evening. There were some fireworks earlier today on Sunday as I'm recording this, as Bradley Beal appears headed to Phoenix. That's one big old domino across the NBA landscape, and there's been some rumblings about the Hawks. Nothing that would certainly inspire a podcast episode just yet, but I wrote about the Hawks a little bit over the weekend. Patreon.com slash BT Rolling if you want the latest on that front as well. Anyway, without any further delay, we'll talk about part one of two. Myself and Glenn Willis talking about DeJounte Murray. First the intro, then we'll be back with myself and Glenn talking about DeJounte. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm back with my friend Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops and ATL and 29. Glenn, thank you for being here as always. Yeah, good to be here. Looking forward to a conversation on the the big new edition. Yeah, we went very long on the last one, uh, which was typical. Uh, might even be two parts, but I listen to this. I don't know how long it's going to be. Anyway, uh, Dejounte Murray is here. Uh, he turns 27 just before next season, so he's still in uh, the middle, smack in the middle of his prime. Uh, he was like Glenn just said, the the big splash edition before this season. Um, I think it's fair to say the Hawks wanted or expected to be better than they were after making that kind of, not all in, but push toward the middle. Uh, and when it comes to all the assets they paid for DeJounte, we'll get into kind of how that all went. Um, and uh, if Glenn wants to, at the end of the podcast, we might even talk about his contract because that's 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 interesting too, because DeJounte is going to yeah. be on an expiring deal and uh, without going deep into it now, both sides, uh, I think the Hawks would love it if DeJounte signed the extension that they're able to offer him. I think literally no one in my life expects him to sign it because it's not <laughs> enough. It's not enough for him. It's, that's not his fault. It's just the way that the NBA CBA works. The Hawks can't really offer DeJounte a market value contract. So we'll come back to that later on, but it seems like this is probably going to be a free agent situation in a year. And that is uh, very, very interesting as his second season arrives. Um, before we got diving in, like we sort of alluded to it, what, what did you make of DeJounte's first season broadly? And then we'll sort of dig in as we always do. I feel like it was kind of up and down. You know, and I feel like, um, but I felt like there were times when no one else on the team was playing well, and he was the only one playing well for like a few weeks at a time. Sometimes, right? I mean, that that playoff game, he he won he won them a playoff he won them a playoff game. He went yeah. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And then even like in games where in the Boston series where they were really really far behind and kind of got back to being competitive, it was kind of him, you know. And so I, 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 this is one. It's kind of funny. It's like we we talk about DeAndre Hunter. I know how Hawks fans feel about DeAndre Hunter. Same for John Collins. On and on and on. I I don't have any idea like what the consensus is around Dejounte for Hawks fans. It's it's kind of a weird thing 
Um, but I, I maybe like one consensus is Nate being the coach kind of ruined an opportunity to optimize this this year. You know, that they, that's probably the one thing I hear a lot uh, and, and such. We don't have to relitigate you know the coaching situation all over again. But for me, there are a number of things he does really well, like you know, and that is helpful. Um, how do how do you optimize him next to Trey? I think there's a lot to work on there. I'll say this, and I know we'll kind of dig in, but Nate believed in, we heard talking about all the time, attack the mismatch, attack the mismatch, attack the mismatch. A part of that for most NBA players is catch the ball, set the defender in front of you, attack the defender in front of you. Quinn does not believe in that. Yeah. Quinn believes when the ball rotates to you, either put it up or go, attack with the dribble, right? One of those are basically your two options there. Don't take a beat. Don't let the defender who's not in front of you get in front of you before you do something. <laughs> move, move, move. Move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. And for me, it's interesting because that's not really DeJounte's instinct is no. to attack, to move. He wants to kind of size up what's in front of him, feel it out, kind of go. And he's pretty good at that. But it is not what Quinn envisions for his offense. And I think that's the most interesting part of thinking about the season DeJounte had, where it ended up, and what Quinn might do to kind of try to get a different type of dynamic offensively going next year because it's not what DeJounte wants to do instinctively. Yeah, and I think he's not alone in that. I think Hunter was the same thing. We talked about that yeah. on that show. Um, this is not a roster that I would say is built exactly the way Quinn would want, probably want it in a vacuum, but that's – that's okay. I mean, it's that's never. Most teams are not built that way. It's like you have you always have guys you got, you got to fit in your into your boxes. But yeah, I think that Dejounte does not strike me as like the most clean fit in what they do. But like you said at the very beginning, and I, I think I said playoff game. I, there was a couple games that he excelled them uh, and won basically for them, going crazy. But uh, Dejounte is an interesting player. I mean, this, the, the experiment. We kind of know what happened. Um, you know, with, with regard to why they made the trade, they kind of reacted to the Miami series. I think they kind of maybe even admitted that they had Trey had no help as far as creation. Um, the thought process on the defense was that Dejounte is going to help there. He didn't really do that. We'll come back to that later on. But the offense, he has really interesting strengths, and he can get his own shot whenever he wants it. There's a lot of value to that. Um, he was playing a different role when he was in San Antonio, where he kind of had an outlier season his last year with the Spurs by his own numbers. Like he he had the ball in his hands all the time. And he had a sky-high assist rate, and he had sky-high numbers across the board and all that stuff. And um, he was never going to be able to replicate that in Atlanta because there's just not that usage level. You know, Trey is still there. Like, if Trey was suddenly just gone for a year, like, maybe DeJounte could average 25, 5, and 5, whatever it was going to be. But that wasn't going to happen in Atlanta. But just an interesting skill set. Like, he's not particularly efficient by traditional metrics. Like, he's been below the, the league average in true shooting every year of his career. I mean, that's... As a high usage guy, you don't necessarily love that, but um, he's also one of the best mid range shooters in the league. He actually is. Like by the numbers and frequency, I'm not sure if you saw this. He was literally a hundredth percentile in mid range and long mid range frequency this year. He loves to take Kevin Durant style pull up 18 footers, and he's good at them. He's not Kevin Durant at them, but he shot 46 percent from, from long twos. That's actually a really good number. It may not, may not, may not sound like it, but 46 percent is a really good number on those shots. But there's that conversation about whether you want that because that's not efficient in, in itself. Like that's good on those shots, but those shots are not the ones that you necessarily love. Um, and then like, you know, a lot of things changed from his previous 
situation. Like he impacted the spacing. He isn't a dynamic floor spacer. He, he actually shot more threes this season one along. I think that uh, I think even traced that on his podcast if I heard right. Uh, I think Dejounte is going to uh, is going to take more threes this year. I think I think everybody's going to take more threes this year with Quinn. Uh, but that's not his natural thing either. To your point, like he's not a guy who's a bomber. He will take them. He will make some. He's not a great shooter. Um, catch and shoot, not his strength. All those things. So like. I mean, the question is, I guess, broadly, is like, what do you think of the way that it happened with him and Trey? Because that's that gets all the attention. We don't have to do the whole thing on that. But I think it's kind of a TBD on that pairing. And I do want to see it with Quinn for a full year. But, I mean, I think it's also objectively true to say they were just kind of okay together. And also, the theory of the case of DeJounte carrying the second unit offense objectively failed this year. They got killed with DeJounte on and Trey off. That's not all on DeJounte. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. That's not entirely his fault. But one of their prime pet theories that they said on the record was that DeJounte was going to really, really help their second unit offense. It had been such a disaster for so long without Trey, and we all acknowledge that. That didn't work. So I, I don't know where we stand on, on, on with the playing together, but that, that part of the theory did not come together. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta, and we're always throwing money at something, school supplies for kids, a new house project, the list goes on and on. It is time, though, to stop spending that hard-earned money without getting anything back in return, and that means using Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip with Ibotta. You can, they actually will give you cash back on hundreds of different grocery items. You can link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get the cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. That covers the cost of an entire shopping trip or use that cash to purchase travel, go to a game, have fun that out, etc. And you get real cash back with Ibotta, not just points. Again, real cash back. Yes, real cash back. You can earn that cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers as well. When you start using Ibotta, that includes places like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And right now, they are offering our listeners $5 for just driving Ibotta by using the promo code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use that promo code LOCKED. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Use that promo code LOCKED. Check out Ibotta today. Yeah, and it's true, but it's, it's it's sort of the same issue manifesting itself again, right? In a different uh-huh. way. Like with Trey, Trey's deficiency fell off. They didn't have shooting around him, which impacted his space to, to really simplify it, right? Yeah. When you think about what to put around DeJounte, it's the same thing as shooting, right? If he's going to attack his man, wants to get to the middle, kind of get to his mid-range pull-up, and all that sort of stuff, it's shooting. And so that, that was kind of rough for him as well, right? And he was always, I felt like, kind of dribbling into – a second defender who could help off of whoever they were on, right, uh-huh. and all that sort of stuff. So, to me, kind of the solution, and that, and, and that's one of the most fascinating aspects of the Sadiq Bay trade they made at the deadline. Yeah, because here's the thing: if you, if you are going to continue building around trade Dejounte, if the idea is we're going to keep Dejounte in as that contract and build around trade Dejounte, you have to build shooting at the three and the four. Yep, and Bay gives you a ton of that. AJ Griffin, as a guy on the wing who can play the three, you have to believe will give you a ton of that. Bogey, on the extension, gives you some <laughs> yeah. of that. Yes. You probably need more, right? More than that, even, right? Can we, you know, we talked about JC, can he get back to uh, being that, even though he's a, a low volume guy? So, so the, the Bay, like for me, the Bay's like impact in the regular season was astonishing. If you look at like his on off, it was like they were so much better with him. In the Celtic series, it, it was different because of how much he struggled on defense with the, the kind of that matchup Boston presented. But for me, 
Sadiq Bay gives you something you absolutely did not have in any way, shape, or form to help Trey and DeJounte, whether they're on together or on individually. Yep. And, and that is such a massive step forward. And so for me, it's kind of like you asked the question, what did you think about DeJounte's first season with the Hawks? I, I don't actually feel that invested in it. Shrug. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter to me. Like, they have to do something different. They have to recalibrate. It was a pretty terrible kind of construct for them together or separately. And so I just kind of want to throw it away to a degree. And yeah. Like, nah, let's just look forward. That's just kind of how my feeling is right now. Yeah, I think part of that is your uh, your general optimistic nature, Glenn, which is which I appreciate. It's, it's a good uh, inverse to me. But no, I think you're right. I think that uh, without again, I'm not trying to back the bus over Nate again, but I, I don't think that Nate did a particularly good job integrating those two players together and the system overall. In defensive, Nate, briefly, what you said is right about the lack of shooting. Like, I don't think anybody could have fixed that entirely with the way that they the roster was constructed, and we yelled about that at the time and. Um, having Bogey out for a while, you know, pre-Sadiq, and yeah, yeah, they had AJ, but they basically only had one shooter at a time, maybe two shooters at a time available to them, like actual shooters. Like AJ was a rookie. Um, he was helpful there, but Bogey was the only guy that like had the the true green light as a, as a dynamic shooter on the roster. Like, he missed the first third of the season. So like they were really down when it came to that. And I, I do think above all else, I think I mean this. Um, when it comes to Quinn, I think that the way he handles Trey and DeJounte is the biggest thing that he has. Like, there's lots of things that he can do and can impact the way this team runs and the way they're built and all that stuff. But like, I, I do think that the way that we might see it the most in a lot of respects is like, I, I think he's going to have some wrinkles that we've not seen on those guys. I think with a, with a full summer, um, and look, he's not a miracle. You can't just fix it. I mean, guys got to do what, they, what they're going to do. Dejounte's going to be a player. He's going to be. But I do think that I think he used the context like it, Trey and Dejounte with that level of non, not zero shooting, but not enough shooting, and Nate, and the way that he approaches the game and the mismatch hunting and all that stuff. That was a recipe that was about as rough as it could have been, in my opinion, for what they yeah. had. So, look, I mean. This is not a whole. This is not just about Dejounte. But while we're here, this is a group that once they got Quinn, and I don't think it was just because of Quinn. I think it was like you said, Sadiq is, and having Bogey and all that stuff. In the last third of the season, they were a top five offense again, and they were and they were shooting more threes and they were playing faster. And that's more like what I think they're going to be long term if they have enough shooting on the court with these guys. Um, and Dejounte, I think, played a little bit a little bit differently. Look at the numbers. I won't go through them all now, but. A little, bit, little, more, little more threes, a little bit less mid-range, just a little bit less uh, under Quinn than Nate. But I'll say this, just to get out in front of it. DeJounte Murray is not going to stop taking mid-range jump shots. <laughs> yeah. there, was this, yeah. there was this theory that, like, just because Quinn was going to be here, Dejounte, that's not going to happen. DeJounte is going to take those shots, and that's part of his appeal. So if he's on your roster, same with Trey. No, I, I've, I've long said I think Trey should take more threes and less mid-rangers. I think he will. But Trey's another guy. Who, he's going to take some mid-range shots. It's, it's going to. It's not going to be James Harden. They're, they're not going to just totally excise the mid-range. It's not going to happen. But I do think that's one area where, like, maybe you can kind of curve some things and have Dejounte be a little bit more of a passer and a little bit less of the hunting for the eighteen-footer. And um, that's one thing about. But because we're talking about Dejounte in, in particular, that's what I have circled. Because, okay, let's take Trey off the court for a second. If Dejounte's your number one, your on-ball guy, which he is, but Trey's off the court. I don't think DeJounte is a special passer. I think he's a fine passer. I think he's an adequate passer. I think as a starting point guard in the NBA, 
totally fine passer. But you can really see the difference between Trey and DeJounte. And it, that, it's obviously unfair because Trey is an uber elite passer. So I'm not saying anybody's going to be that. But after watching so much of Trey for four years now, to see a guy who was an all-star the year before come in and be billed as this like really high-end passer. And we, we, I kind of knew this, but like just watching DeJounte, he's not that. He, he, he's a fine, okay passer. But he's not going to change your life as a passer. He's a scorer. And playing alongside Trey, having a scorer who isn't like a natural bomber as a shooter and who isn't 6'7", but he's more like 6'3", it's interesting. Like, I'm, not, to, not to pour cold water on you throwing out last year because I think it, you're generally right. I'm going to have a hard time totally doing that because I do think some of the concerns that we maybe had about that pairing, most on defense, to be, to be fair, but on offense even – I don't think that they're assuaged for me. I'll say this. I'm not panicking on them. You'll be not surprised to know that anytime I do a a national, maybe non-Hawks related uh, radio interview, something like that. First question, maybe second question I get is, Trey DeJounte, is it going to work or not? It's one of those things. And my answer is kind of always like, "Eh, it's it's going okay. It's not going terribly. It's not going great. I still feel the same way now, which maybe, I guess maybe let's agree as to what you said. Just, Start start anew. It's Quinn. It's a different roster, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if you kind of think of where they were the first third of the season last year, Boogie basically didn't really play much. Yep. A- AJ wasn't really ramped up, you know, no. you know, at all. And so, I mean, the spacing was just. I awful, mean, j- right? j- just to lay it out, just to back you up, you got they were, they were playing they were playing Justin Holiday, who's a he gets guarded but not a great shooter. DeAndre Hunter, same thing. John Collins, same thing. Uh, Clinton, Clinton and Eka, uh, they were, I mean, Aaron Holiday is a decent shooter, but he's 5'11". So, like, they, they literally, until they got Bogey back and until AJ started to grow into the role more and was – because for a while, people forget this, AJ didn't play all the time. Like, he was he was their 10th guy for a while and like was kind of yeah. in and out. And there, there were, I mean, six, seven, eight weeks where they had no shoot, like, quote-unquote shooter. Trey yeah. was their shooter, but, like – that's hard, man. Especially when you come out of a season or two where you had Herder and Bogey and Gallo, and to have none of those guys for a while, it was yeah. uh, it was tough. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you enjoy the DFS space like I do, make sure you check out the award-winning app at Prize Picks. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well as I do. It's so easy to use. For one thing, I've been playing there for quite a while now. It's really a breeze. All you have to do is pick two to six players. Actually, choose whether have more or less. A certain number of points or rebounds, assists, any other stats they're looking for across the board. At Prospects, also, up to 25 times your money on each and every entry. They offer numbers on sports you might enjoy. That includes stuff like the NBA, of course, WNBA, college basketball, NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and it's that quick. Plus, it's you, just you against the numbers. Prospects has safe and fast withdrawals, and they're operating in more than 30 states now, plus Canada. Download the app right now. But the Prospects are at prospects.com. Sign up with Daily Fantasy Sports. If you're a first-time user, get 100% is a deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code as well. It is promo code Locked On. Sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now with Prospects. Yeah, it was. So if we can kind of contrast that to what it might look like this season. We obviously don't know what roster moves are playing, but let's imagine DeJounte on with AJ Bogey and Sadiq. Well, he's going to have <laughs> yeah. a ton of space. That's right? much more helpful, yeah. All right, and and so it's just a completely different thing. And I think what Quinn's going to challenge him to do is, hey, if I get if we got three shooters on it, two, three, and four, 
I don't want the 18 footer. I want you getting to the rim, mm-hmm. right? I want you getting deeper, right? I want, I want you getting to seven feet at least or, or whatever it is, you know? And it kind of reminds me of like when we, when we talk about AJ and how AJ gets every inch he can get in space close to the rim when, when he's attacking, you know, with the dribble. And so I think there's a little, I, I can't really rewire a human being, but there is a way to kind of nudge them towards realizing like, okay, when we put you on with this kind of lineup, we want you to attack. We want you to see what's different about your opportunities than when we're with a, a, a lineup with less shooting, right? Now, for me, it's like you think about playing with some of this with AJ, Bogey, Sadiq. Okay, where's Jalen kind of fitting into that? How does mm-hmm. Jalen impact that? That's an important thing to think about. You know, I talked about Jalen, but it's <laughs> but it shouldn't be that hard, depending on what they move, to get shoot two shooters on. With Dejounte, which is way more than he had really at any point last season, apart yep. from the end when Quinn was really pushing Bogey plus Sadiq lineups, right towards mm-hmm. the end, right, and so and that and that's like so important to kind of think about, um, and so that's another reason I want to kind of kind of throw it out. Going back to Dejounte's passing, um, you know, first of all, Trey is if he's not like a Top two pass from the league, it can't be, it has to be top, you know. He's up him there. and Jokic, and the, it depends on who else you might want to put in that group, like Luka, yep. you know, right, you know. So, so no, no one is that. But for me, it's more of kind of the interior and thread the needle passes that he doesn't have that. Dejounte doesn't have that, right? But to me, like, coaches like cover the basics, cover the basics, cover the basics. The extra pass, DeJounte makes, sees the extra pass, makes the extra pass. Yep. When a defense is loading up against him, he throws it to the weak side and he gives it up. And and he's, in that sense, he's ahead of Trey. Trey wants to do so much for his team that sometimes he is a little bit, I don't want to say hesitant, but he wants to make sure that giving the ball up is the right thing before he gives it up. DeJounte will move the ball. Like if that's the right thing to do, and I'm talking about simple like swing to the weak side or hit to the guy. At the the simple, simple play for sure. Yeah, but a guy's defender is over helping and hit him and things like that. And and coaches value that in a, in, a, in some ways, like more than the special passing. It's like I want consistent, good ball movement. Move the ball the right way. Move it on time. Move it right away. And and from that standpoint, when when Dejounte's kind of looking to function that way, he's absolutely as good as you need in that area of play when it's more of like, you don't have any shooting. So you got to like figure out how to attack one against one and a half <laughs> your defenders. Yeah. Dejounte will go try. He will go try, but that's <laughs> not what you want to kind of, that's not the blueprint you want for getting yourself back to being a top five offense next year. Yeah. And uh, I agree. And also worth noting on a positive level, he had his career best turnover rate this year. So he's not a mistake prone player. Like his, his bad possessions are when he takes, back contested shots he doesn't really turn the ball over which is good i mean i think in general the hawks were a very low turnover team um that's good they really only have a, one high turnover player and it's trey and you have to live with that because trey does so many other things for you and as i've said many times the best players in the league are always the top of the league in turnovers because they have the ball all the time and that's that's yeah. the trey experience so um one note that i want to throw out there because i had it pulled uh, about his ability to attack the rim he was in the 26th percentile last year in rim frequency which is really low, obviously. Um, and if you watch him, I was going to ask you this. It's not always about even getting all the way to like a layup for, because he's still, I mean, he's bigger than Trey, but he's, he's still a smaller slider guard. He's not going to be able to just bully ball his way in there all the time. I found, and I wonder what you think, 
the gap for me with DeJounte is when he gets to his spot at eight feet or 10 feet, that's an automatic. He, when, when, he, when he really gets to his spot at that level, that's a great shot. It's, a, it's technically a mid-range shot, but his touch is really good there. He's comfortable doing it. It's when he's settling for the 16-foot contested fadeaway. Like there's that, that that's for me is like how I differentiate with DeJounte because when he's really in command and locked in and playing physically for him, again, he's not a six eight guy, he's six three, whatever he is, and skinny. It's that he gets to he gets one step further in and creates that separation versus settling a little bit more for his mid-ranger. Like it's kind of an interesting nuance, but I don't see him even with a lot of spacing, just being like a huge like rim attack guy, it's more like just getting that extra dribble in, that extra four feet in. So it's almost like a little push shot versus the actual like full. Does that make sense? Am I, am I, am I sounding it, crazy? Yeah, it, it does. And for me, so like, okay, so what impacts whether he takes this 16-footer versus working to get a seven or eight-footer, right? Yeah. What comes down to that? <laughs> This is one thing I think I think a lot of NBA fans might not know. Getting to eight feet is way more work than just oh, pulling up from sixteen. Definitely, that's exactly right. 100%. <laughs> Physically harder, more exerting. You have to really be assertive physically and from an energy standpoint. And in that standpoint, I think you can kind of see. Like, if we, I think if we went back and kind of had time to kind of rewatch the season, you'd see like, oh, third game of four nights he's more likely to just kind of pull up or whatever. And so I, I and so that's the thing. Trey and DeJounte are not built to go in and seek contact with throw. They would be hurt all the time if that was their go-to. Exactly, right? exactly. And so you have to be mindful of that. But I think your counterpoint to that is that doesn't mean you can't get closer to the rim. It doesn't mean you can't put in the effort to kind of get closer. And that's where I think um, a little bit of uh, – a little better workload distribution. Can Jalen kind of be a creator this year? I mean, just take a little workload off of the guards, right? Another can can Bogey go back to being a little bit more of a creator this year and take that workload off? And I think it really because does come down to Quinn being Quinn and being like, you could attack, 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 attack the heart of the defense, get there, get there, get there. And you know, if I need to, if I need to give you a little bit of a longer break, you know, it's kind of, kind of keep you at full uh, energy, kind of do that. that. That's where it is. But in the NBA, I mean, I feel like it's one of the most under recognized things is guys that will, and this is what, and we talked about this with AJ, My, the, the thing I love most about AJ is AJ doesn't give up any space. Yeah. None. Right. And it's, and it's interesting as a 19 year old rookie to see him do that. And there's, in that sense, there's not, has got to be a little bit more like AJ. Now AJ has has the body to go in there and kind of deal with contact and be physical and stuff like that. But again, getting to seven or eight feet from the rim, getting to his floater, getting to his push shot, much, much better shot quality there. And it's just, it's just a matter of kind of them being coached to value like what that effort uh, kind of gives you from a shot quality perspective, as opposed to the pull up. Now we've seen him like he has the ability to kind of rock his defender, get to that step back at the nail that's a good shot almost every possession, yeah. right? But the defender has him reset, uh, and now all of a sudden, like, he's not able to kind of – it's not that first kind of rocking attack and then stepping back. That sh- shot quality goes down if a defender forces him to kind of reset in that space. And, again, DeJounte has to recognize, like, oh, he took that away, so now I've got to maybe do something else, right? Right. And, and that's where it kind of comes down to kind of really being um, – 
there's such a divergence in NBA players. Like to me, like the the classic all instinct player that sometimes makes it look like he's not the smartest player is Russell Westbrook, right? Instinct, instinct, instinct all the time. DeJounte is not kind of to that level, but DeJounte is a does rely a lot on his instincts. Mm-hmm. And that goes to your personality and not not like whether not how smart you are or you aren't. You know, Russell Westbrook is a smart guy. <laughs> you know, he knows the NBA game. But when he's kind of in the middle of the and his competitive fire is there, it's instinct. And so for me, it's how do you kind of create an approach mentally that allows you to kind of not be overly or, or so relying on instinct in an unhealthy way, but that you have a plan and you're and you're really holding yourself accountable to attacking via the plan that you have. And that's where I think kind of pushing DeJounte in that direction is going to give them more of, of, of the good stuff from him. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to belabor it anymore. That, that, that's a good way to kind of lay it out. And there is just a, it's, it's tough to always, you know, I, I think for three point shooting, we kind of have, there, there's these metrics that are like wide open versus whatever it is. Those like, those are established metrics. Uh, I wish there was more like attention paid to like mid range and like non layup shot quality because like there is a big gap there. And I think honestly, credit to DeJounte, you said it too, but he could get his marriage or whatever he wants it. And that, that there's a skill to that. And that's one of the reasons why he's a fringe star in the NBA is that he can get that shot off. He's really skilled. He's creative. But uh, I think if you watch him, like there's a, there's a difference between that shot and a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And, uh, I wonder if that maybe is where Quinn will try to instill, like, hey, DeJounte, we, we're cool with these, you know, 10-footers where, where you really get to your spot. What we don't want to have is these 19-footers that are contested and difficult. And, by the way, he can still make those shots. You see, if he's hot, he'll still make them. Like, he's he's really good. And that's what kind of makes this a hard discussion because the people are kind of remembering what those, those games where he, when he goes nuts. And, as they should, he's really good at that. It's just uh, sort of interesting because, you look, he's, he's still, for all those skills – he shouldn't be a guy that has a is literally always below the league average in true shooting. Like, and part of that's that he doesn't get to the line at all, which is a little I, maybe again goes back to his frame. He's a skinnier, smaller guy for sure. Um, but he's not a great two point shooter. He's not a good. He's not a great. He's just kind of uh, there. There's some value inherently in be able to to carry sort of league average efficiency on that kind of usage. That's actually hard to do. Yeah. But when you're when you're the number two guy, it's a little. It should be in theory a little bit easier for you to do that. And that's what the Hawks didn't really find with DeJounte. It was a little bit better than it was San Antonio. But, like, the next thing I think for me is, like, now that you have a little bit less pressure on you to be the primary creator, can you nudge your efficiency up a little bit? Can you? And is that just taking better shots? Is that just process-related? Or is it just, like, this is what he is? I'm, I'm actually interested to see what kind of wrinkles we get. And that's that's the area where I'm sure I'll be calling you in October to be like, hey, what are you seeing from, from Trey and DeJounte we haven't seen before? But uh, maybe that's part of it, too, is that Quinn will have some uh, some ways to get them some easier shots. Yeah. The, the other part, and maybe this kind of aspect of the instinct, is, like, once the Hawks get the bonus, and Trey, as Trey's defender is getting physical with him, he's like – He's so good at that. Sign, sign me up. I'm going to line. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to line six times the rest of this quarter or whatever. And DeJounte is just not – He didn't want to do it. Ever yeah. do that, right? He wants to set you up, get to the mid-range. And so there, there's probably maybe something around kind of recognizing when – a defender is defending you a certain way that you can use that to your advantage and get easy points at the free throw line. He basically never does that. Like, I mean, never. just to back you up, he has a career uh, 3.8 free throws per 100, <laughs> per 100 possessions. So it's less than that per game. It's his per game numbers for his career, I'm looking at it right now, it's, it's about three-ish per, per game. And that is – no, actually 2.2 per game. I lied. 
that is very, 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 very low for a player that has his level of usage. And again, it's understandable because he is a slatter guard. But that's that, if you wonder why he doesn't really boost his efficiency, that's one of the areas. He's actually a good free throw shooter. He just get the very much. Yeah, yeah, and and they, and they got to help him. I think this is what it looks like for you to get more free throws without risking injury, without going in, throwing your body. Yeah, you know, into you know, he's never going to be. A, he's never going to be Trey. I, I think Trey is Trey is honestly. And this is, I, I mean this in a very positive way. Trey's uniquely gifted at getting to the line for a player of his size. He might yeah. be the best ever at his size getting yeah. to the free throw line. He's that good. Yeah, at yeah, and he's, uh, he, and he has all the, we'll talk about Trey. All the tricks. Trick, but, he's got he has all the tricks. Like, oh, you're going to be, the, you're, and, and you can see like the growth from like year one. Like, oh, you're going to be physical with me. Uh, now it's like, oh. You're okay. With me. Let's go. Right. <laughs> Easy yeah. points at the free throw line. One hundred percent. Well, I mean, Glenn, do you have more on the offense? We can talk about his defense if you want to. Unless you have more on the offense, I, I will not. I don't want to close that door off on you if you have anything else to add. Uh, I guess. I guess we have to talk about his defense. All right, that will do it for part one of two of myself and Glenn talking about Dejounte Murray. Part two should be available in your podcast feed of choice right now. So go ahead and click on over to that one for part two. And uh, before I leave you, I should encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work at patreon.com slash BT Roland. And we'll see everybody next time.